to the conservative saver, I found, hey, do you own anything outside of that fiat system? Do you own, like, what is it? You know, do you own something out there? Well, they might say, well, I have gold. No, 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 no. Gold is not outside of the fiat system. It's also very much entrenched within it. You can look into gold and even gold, gold bugs will tell you that there is some insulation, but it's very much entrenched. What do you own outside of that system? And the best thing outside of that system is Bitcoin. It's not even debatable. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Thanks for choosing to spend time with two degenerate firemen. In this rip, we're adding a third, Mr. Dom Bay's third appearance on our show. Dom is the king of underselling and overperforming, and this outing is no different. He is equally adept at hitting the high points of philosophical ideating as he is comfortable with a solid joke about someone losing a finger with a coke fingernail on it. We are slated to join Dom in the Swan Dome at Pacific Bitcoin this Friday at 3 p.m. If you're going to be at Pacific Bitcoin, we suggest you be there. Dom is taking no prisoners in his persuasion tactics to pack that place. The fact that they are going to allow the three of us free reign on stage with no supervision is both brave and short-sighted. It's fortunate for us that this is happening later on the second day. We will get to experience at least most of the conference before they toss us out. We hope to see you there. If you can't make it to Pacific Bitcoin, don't forget about a couple of other upcoming events in the pipeline. Those being Bitcoin Amsterdam later this month and Bitcoin 2024 in Nashville next July. You can use coupon code BCB to get 10% off either event. As always, a gentle reminder to get your Bitcoin off of exchanges. Get those sats tucked away into cold storage using a cold card Mark IV. The cold card is the most secure place us non-programming mortals can hope to place our Bitcoin. To be honest, even if you are an expert, you should be using a cold card. This code base has been combed over for years and is much more secure than any do-it-yourself setup. If you want to keep yourself from getting rugged by an exchange and you want to secure your Bitcoin from attack, get that Bitcoin onto a cold card pronto. Well, dudes, um... Just got off of a 48 up four times after midnight last night. And now I got to talk to you two idiots. So I uh, really wish I didn't have to do this. Wish I was upstairs and asleep. But here we go. This is the commitment Dude, we've made, Josh. You're holding it together pretty well, man. Yeah, um, you look great. Pretty well. Dan and I were on the, the front half of that 48. The two of us rode the box together in a rare opportunity. We've only done this maybe three times, maybe yeah. four times in our career. And it was full of some entertainment i could say that much man dom how are you doing man how many price checks on the box that day between the two of you added combo we don't <laughs> we don't look at price man i'm not even uh it sounds that sounds dumb i know it sounds dumb i go weeks without <laughs> looking at the price i'm not even kidding wow. no price checks i think the number is zero our friend jim will hit us up whenever the price is doing something interesting and yeah. he'll be like hey you guys see what's going on today and i can honestly say most of the time i'm like no what's up and he's like Dude, it's up a thousand dollars a day. I guess I'm, I don't know. In, in the middle of these bear markets, the price gets boring and I stop paying attention to it. it I, I'm not going to lie. Like during the bull market, when this thing oh, is really yeah. skyrocketing, I am watching it like a hawk. It's, it's entertaining, sure. but it's not fun when it's just boring or shitting the bed. When it's shitting the bed, I especially don't look. It's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to tempt myself to do something stupid, which I'm, you know, yeah. I've got a proclivity to do. 
Well, uh, we've reached Bitcoin Nirvana is basically what we just expressed. Um, we're enlightened. Dude. We're there. Hopefully, and, hopefully the rest of our audience can arrive to the spot we're in. And someday. working on the box, that's impressive. If you guys aren't doing price checks on the ambulance while cruising through, just as like a stress relief tactic, then, you know, you guys are at a, at a high level. So that's inspiring. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yep. Um, we, the three of us, are slated later this week to be on a panel at Pacific Bitcoin in uh, Los Angeles. And so today is a straight dry dry run here. We're going in with no lube today, and then we'll see how much KY we need to apply later in the week. Um, you're, referring to, you're referring to ET tubes, of course, right? Yeah, of, course. of course. Yeah. You're, you're uh, talking about yeah. a medical procedure. KY sure. does make our ET tube lubricant. It does oh, say KY anal lube on it. We just slather that right on that seven ET tube and right into someone's gullet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta get um, gotta get past the field goal posts. Yep. <laughs> Dude, our our numbers, by the way, from I'm probably telling too much here, but our innovation numbers have gone uh pretty south. Uh we don't know why. Our medical director's concerned came out, had to have a talking to to all the paramedics, wondering why we're missing so much. I don't know what the deal is. Are you guys still hitting? Are you guys just better paramedics than we are out there in Santa Monica, or what's the deal? I think so. I think that's probably it. No, we're still hitting pretty well. And then we have the assisted uh, tubes, you know what I mean? Like that, That. Um, um, what do you guys use as far as like, um, other use than the, the ET tube? You guys use the King? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, it's a video laryngoscope. So we can yeah. uh, visualize those vocal cords and anything yeah. else that's jammed down your throat. We had a great one, man, where one of uh, an intern hit this ET tube and the, the guy made a full recovery, ended up seeing him out and about. And I was on the call and, I mean, the, the, the intern just killed it. Like, like, you know, maybe that's not the best term. He didn't kill it. He did very well on the call <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and, and, uh, save this guy's life. So yeah, you know, um, you guys, you guys will get back to, to good, to good numbers. Dude. We're talking, we're talking shop here, but data. for the, for Bad the few, data. for the few medical people, I think our problem is that we went to video laryngoscopy from the old school and we were using the King the way we were using the old one. And it's, it's maneuvered very differently, much, much more delicate, much less abrasive. You're doing less, you know, pulling up and out. I think that's part of the reason we'll get our numbers squared away. Best paramedics on the planet at our department, Dom. When we'd be remiss if we didn't tell the story about the nurse we met at the hospital the other day, man, we, we, we have to tell the story. We, so we, we, uh, we drag a patient to the (laughs) hospital, pretty typical, like, you know, middle-aged man who's having what looks like a heart attack. He's diaphoretic, sweaty. He's got nausea. He feels like shit. This poor guy. Very is nice gentleman, nice by the way. Taking it like a man. Taking, take it, taking, taking that his heart, heart attack, attack like a man. Like a man. We yeah. get him to the hospital. We roll him in. And we take the sheets off that we have covering him. And it's apparent to all that are standing there that he pissed himself, which is not unusual. You know, when you have a medical problem like that, you pissed yourself, whatever. Usually you don't bust people's balls for having pissed themselves when they're having a medical emergency. Yeah, this nurse block. takes a look at this guy's crotch and goes, hey, bud. Looks like you white yourself. <laughs> and the guy goes, the guy ignores it, right? He's just, everyone's in the room. Everyone knows he pissed himself. Everyone's just playing like, whatever. The guy pissed his pants. The nurse doubles down and goes, bud, it looks like you pissed your pants. <laughs> and we're looking at each other like, is this fucking guy serious? Like, he's just going to bust this guy's balls about having pissed his pants. Yeah. I'm telling you what. Yeah. I was just going to say, if I'm ever, you know, if I'm 57 years old having a heart attack and I get wheeled in and a male nurse calls me bud and then asks me if I piss my pants in front of five people, 
And this guy's like 30, by shit. the way. He's like 25 years younger than the guy he's addressing to as Bud. But but Dan and Josh, the Bud is the real stinger there, not the yes. you, not the urinating the pants. Exactly. If the Bud was dropped, you probably would be like, hey, yeah, I did. I'm going to give him a pass. But they throw so, the Bud on there. and Exactly. It's like, so we, we spoke about it. We were like, man, that guy's kind of a piece of shit. When we get back to the hospital, we're going to call this guy Bud. So we wheel in like two hours later. Same situation. This guy just didn't piss his pants. And I'm like, oh, hey, bud. Uh, here's what's going on with this patient. The guy doesn't flinch. I expected him to like take it as an affront, which it was. And I said it in the most like, hip, like just the most demeaning way I could possibly impart to this bud. And he just flinched it off. And then and then he proceeds to tell us in front of the patient as we're moving him to the bed. He goes, each one of us has to take a lick, lick of this shit sickle. Like each, each one of these people in the chain from the paramedics to the nurses at the hospital has to lick a giant shit popsicle. He says this in front of the patient. And we're just like, this guy's either a legend or the biggest piece of shit I've ever met. We're not going to see him again. He's going to be Asa La Vista within the week. I think Josh. Yeah. Travel nurse. For sure. You're probably right. Seriously. Yeah. I, I, I had a call recently to add on to the, to the train. Um, you know, uh, you guys know a lot of time the amputations get called in and it's not really an amputation. Like how many times have you got a call for an amputated finger and they have a paper slice from the knife, you know, and it's like, all right, family. But this yep. one, dude, the finger was off, dude. And I see this long nail and I'm go, hey, where, where, you know, where's she at? Where's, where's, I'm kind of thinking like in my mind, where's she at? It's not, dude. It's a, it's an old school dude. And you guys know it's the, it's the pinky um, and, and, you know, everyone knows the old school gangsters sometimes keep that pinky nail. Some might call it like a cocaine nail, you know what I mean? But like, yep. so that was a first never seen that, that pinky nail, the, the special one that has the one nail on there. Maybe, maybe it's for opening Ziploc bags. Probably. Maybe it's yeah. for taking off paper clips. Who knows? We can't, we can't, we can't assume, but that was my first amputated did you, uh, pinky did nail. Did you guys save that cocaine pinky nail? Yep. Did the whole Hell thing, yeah. dude dry on ice uh gonna be reattached working you know gonna keep keep uh sorting through whatever it's sorting through you know what i mean if you're that surgeon you gotta clip that yeah was it a table saw what was the deal how did that come off got stuck in the door Ooh, yeah that's a hell of a slam door right there i know dude i'm thinking like in my mind i'm like what what did like a nfl lineman like they got their finger in the door and they just went and just body checked this door (laughs) um Yeah, so I feel like the main culprit I've been seeing with hand stuff is avocados. More avocados are hot. All the hot people are eating avocados. They're getting prevalent, and people don't know how to slice them. You guys seen uh, any? We had a bad one the other week. Someone went pretty freaking deep. What are they going on the palm cuts with the avocado? Yeah, Yeah. big palm cuts. Yep. Yeah. Stay careful, folks. It's like that ET tube. You got to use finesse. So for sure. Yeah, whenever I've Absolutely. seen fingers amputated, I think every single time it's been a table saw or a chop saw, something like that. It's some contractor that just cut his finger off. They usually take it like a man, you know, no crying. Just here's my finger. Let's go to the hospital. Yeah. I think sometimes people are in shock when they lose one, too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can you guys That's get that? Can you guys get this reattached? You usually lie and say, yeah, probably. But in reality, if you cut your finger off, pretty unlikely it's getting reattached. Yeah, they're doing some cool stuff these days, though. Obviously, we're, well, you know, we're, I don't know what you guys have near you, but we have uh, UCLA Ronald Reagan, which is like one of the best trauma centers in the country. 
and they're always doing cutting edge, innovative stuff. And and like, I think it, if you go there, you got a good chance of some badass surgeons reattaching your finger with full functionality. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Take some balls and your... wrap it around that finger. If you're going to you go. get frisky with your fingers, go to Santa Monica is what there I just heard. Maybe we'll That's eat right. some avocados while we're out there, Josh. Yeah. Maybe. No, we're safe. Yeah. They probably have a dick enlargement uh, suite there, I would imagine, too, in L.A. I mean, they've got everything out there. Anything you can imagine they have. <clears throat> they've got you it can imagine all. a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh, Josh's imagination. You see, you start talking about dicks, and Josh's imagination runs wild, Dom. Careful. Not Careful. just dicks, but yeah, heavily, heavily dicks. Yeah, other stuff, too. <clears throat> Where are we starting so, here, boys? Yeah, Josh, you want to kick us here? Yeah, I'll kick us off with this. Um, so, yeah, like Dan said at the beginning, this is kind of a dry run for our our discussion at Pacific Bitcoin, which is going to be in Santa Monica this week. This will probably be out in the next day or two. So if you're listening to this, grab a last minute ticket, get out there and check it out. But I mean, I think the best way to start is to just talk about what it is, what it is are we doing here? You know, like what's the point of this podcast? What's the point of proof of workforce? Why do we care so much about this? And what is the impetus for that? And I think that is a, you know, fodder for many podcasts in and of itself, many discussions, but the essence of it is it's injustice in the world mm. so much, especially in finance, like the Cantillion effect in itself. Like we have this world where the finance has been set up in a way where it benefits massively the people that are already wealthy. And then the further on you are down from that food chain, the more and more you are negated from the benefits of this effect and more and more you are harmed by it. And it it gets tricky because so many people view this as like, I'm a socialist and I want everyone to get everything fair. And it's easy to have that point of view. But our view, and I think obviously I would include Dom as well. I'm just going to speak for him here. But capitalism is a good thing. This is the thing that is the motor for the world. If we negate capitalism for some of the uh, overreaching at the top, we are throwing out the baby with the bathwater here. The problem is, is that the political system gets its claws in here and people use politics and uh, the Cantillion effect to advantage themselves. It's why we see politicians that are making 150 grand a year leaving after 20 years in office or 10 years in office worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, these people are not, I mean, if you're beating Warren Buffett at the investing game, there's some, there's some underhanded shady shit going on. The rules apply to thee, not to me mentality that many of them have. And most of these politicians are just expected to be corrupt these days. The most absurd happenings in the world are essentially normalized in the world of this cantillionarism. People have given up playing a game they can't win. There's lethargy and sloth ruling the day. People distract themselves with nonsense. It's this short-termism. Like, I want to get what I want right now, not wait for things to be... uh, maybe plan better for the future. Why is that speaking common sense truth seems to be so edgy and daring today? People are scared to say the things that are obvious. And we are so many generations removed from a time that feels similar. We've had three central banks in this country. We had the first bank of the United States, the second bank of the United States. Thomas Jefferson was not a fan of the idea of the, of the first central bank of the United States. I've got a quote from him here. He said, In a letter to his friend, John Taylor, and this is about the first bank of the U.S., I sincerely believe that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies and that the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity under the name of funding 
is but swindling the futurity on a large scale. And then on another note on the same bank, he said, the Bank of the United States is one of the most deadly hostilities existing against the principles and form of our constitution. Um, Andrew Jackson, another one with a bone to pick, when they were going to uh, reinstate the second central bank, the second bank of the United States, he vetoed it in in front of Congress. And he said that it is unauthorized by the constitution. It is subversive to the rights of states and dangerous to the liberties of the people. Every fiat currency fails. This is not his quote, by the way, and this is me. Every fiat currency fails, and this time isn't different. In our opinion, this current monetary regime, when it does unwind, Bitcoin will be a pristine city on a hill that will aggregate value. And this is why we view it as imperative to onboard the middle class. Mm. Amen. Starting us off, man, with some depth right there, Joss. You know what I mean? Just getting us Yeah, let's pick this apart, guys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this Contillion effect, I think we have gone over this time and time again on the show, but it's never, it's always worth, you know, reiterating it and, and speaking to the people that maybe don't understand what it is. Yeah. Um, I do think that is the precipice upon yeah. which I mean, a lot of the absurdity in the world is based. For sure. I mean, at its simplest, let's just go back to first principles. When money and markets are heavily controlled by human beings, this is the reality we're currently living in. And it's getting increasingly this way, increasingly centralized. There's more and more human control over monetary systems and markets. You're going to get an environment where the rich and powerful have the ability to manipulate and mold the system to their advantage. Even if you have benevolent leaders at one stage, you have to zoom out and extrapolate and think about how the structure of this system is fragile and ends up disenfranchising unequally disenfranchising those that are not rich and powerful. They have their hands on a lever that human beings cannot resist pulling. If we were in those positions of power, right? If we had direct immediate access to the spigot, we would be doing the exact same thing. And I think for me at its simplest, part of the mission behind this show, behind what you're standing up at Proof of Workforce, Dom, is telling people, telling our peers that are out there every day, getting their hands dirty, taking risks, putting their body on the line, whatever it is, hard workers around the world, this is an asset, Bitcoin, that has the potential to unlock opportunity for the middle and lower class that no asset in the past has ever been able to do. You have to think about the monetary frictions that exist in the world today. You've got massive information asymmetry, hedge funds, Congressmen, they have access to information we don't. You have transaction cost disparity between massive hedge funds and what we can stack in a in a 401k or a 457 or whatever. You've got regulatory barriers, accredited investors and such. If you zoom out beyond the first world, you start talking about the fact that many human beings are cut off completely from the financial system. They don't have any access to blue chip stocks or retirement funds or brokerage accounts. Here comes an asset. Bitcoin, a decentralized, globally distributed ledger that most people, especially as we increasingly press on into the digital age and people have access to the internet, they have the ability to hold an asset with massive asymmetric potential in its best form. And I think that's the, that's one of the keys I want to impart. This is a very novel opportunity to get a financial instrument in its best form, in tiny quantities, no matter what human being you are on this planet. And that's a really big deal. And it is our desire 
to impress to the world's more vulnerable or even just average that this is a horse you may want to get on and ride because it's a generational, maybe a multi-generational opportunity that's not going to come back around. Dude, you guys are firing at high levels. I literally got it to Bitcoin <laughs> because I thought the sticker <laughs> looked good on my fire helmet. And I'm listening and to you does. guys and I'm like, it's much deeper than that. It Dude, seems. Dom, you so are the just king of right underselling now. yourself, my friend. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna fucking toss himself the layup. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then just slam dunk this fucking thing in. Yeah, we need we need yeah. to maybe say this right at the beginning of the panel, Josh. Like, let's cut the bullshit. Dom Bay's smart as fuck he plays that he plays the 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 average firefighter card this dude fires on all cylinders he sends zingers here they come but you know he's <laughs> well here all right I, I am all right so you guys know I'm, we're saving some secret sauce for 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 folks listening that are going to pacific like yeah. show up because at 3 p.m at the out. swan dome on the fifth you will see you will see <laughs> you're gonna see his dick <laughs> you the proverbial, proverbial yes. proverbially speaking, um, you will see a flame of signal, a plume that will be visible from other sides of the world, uh, space stations in space. You will see this, and I want to make sure everyone sees that signal. Josh, you, you mentioned Thomas Jefferson, and I've been digging into history, U.S. history yeah. more with a Bitcoin lens. Mm. And Thomas Jefferson said that the essence of liberty is independence and that independence is dependent upon owning productive exactly. property, right? Property because Thomas Jefferson was an old school dude. He, he, in his mind, you, you started off this show by talking about capitalism and we can't kind of turn our backs on capitalism, but there's different facets of capitalism. And in Thomas Jefferson's mind, capitalism was allowing anyone to start their own venture, to Absolutely. own their own business, to own the machinery, the fruits of their labor. Then enter stage right um, what Thomas Jefferson and those of that time felt were the leeches, uh, the parasites, the bloodsuckers. And those were your merchants, your importer, exporters, your your bankers, your lenders, right? That come in and go, hey, we're not going to do the labor. We're not going to toil the field, but we're going to take a percentage of what you're doing because we can reach things that you can't. Now, the contrarian thought to that is you could never get to, we can't grow as a, as a country and race if we can't like, um, not a race, you know, just a group of people, but a country and, and, and a nation of folks. Um, we can't grow if we can't get things to other places and expand the productivity and the operations, which goes up to Thomas Jefferson. Maybe we'd just still be toiling fields and we wouldn't have skyscrapers, you know. But I think that's key to kind of what we're talking about here, too, is that the worker is a wage earner and they no longer sure. own productive property. And they, they are only as independent and free as their employer is willing to pay them as mm. their pension managers are willing to do the right thing and run the pension. And we're trying to show them a way that they can be independent and free in that sense of it, in owning one of the most productive pieces of property in the future, and that's the Bitcoin network. Right. I think it's really important to impart, though, that this idea, the spirit of independence is extremely dependent on responsibility of individuals. If you are not in a, a responsible person, if you, and, and how do you make someone responsible? Dom, being a captain where you are, 
if you micromanage your guys, if you are on their backs about every little thing they do, they're going to become dependent on you. They're not going to be responsible because they're just going to say, well, fuck it. Dom is going to just tell me what to do anyway. I don't have to actually think or do anything independently. I'll just let this guy tell me what to do. But if you are able to like be a little more hands off, let these guys work independently, they're going to take responsibility. They're going to take take that on their shoulders and they're going to do a better job. Just that, And I feel like that is why, at least part of the reason as a country, we have gotten where we are. There's People don't feel responsibility. They know that there's going to be somebody that's going to bail them out. They know that they just simply don't have to. And so they don't. And then again, we're back to this lethargy and sloth ruling the day, turning everybody into, you know, basement warriors of this generation in the next, instead of being somebody who wants to go out there, own a thing, run a thing independently and do it themselves. And that the spirit that in lies, that is what built this country and losing that we lose the we lose the essence of what this place is and was intended to be for sure. The the other comment here, and I, I'll preface it by saying, I know that there's a lot of folks in and around Bitcoin tends to lean, not just right, but in some circumstances, extremely right where they would say this idea of, you know, being really pro labor, pro union is bullshit. And that, that, and, I'm going to push back on that. I I can play both sides of the fiddle here, but I'm going to take the side of, I think some individuals that aren't in our shoes lack an understanding for how spit roasted labor has gotten in the United States in the last 30 to 50 years. And they're sort of, you got, you know, it's coming in both sides. I'm going to start on just the inflationary side. When you have a fiat monetary system that is inherently inflationary, I'm stealing this from Lynn Alden. She talks about what she calls anchoring bias when it comes to wages. If you are the wage payer, inflation is in your favor because Dom is paid a wage. And unless he asks for more, you're in the you're paying less year over year. You know what I'm saying? The anchoring bias in an inflationary environment benefits the wage payer. In a in a more constant, harder money environment or a deflationary environment, the anchoring bias is on the opposite side where wage earners can theoretically make more. But we live in an inflationary environment. One example, we know that the last couple of years, CPI has gone up significantly. Yes, it's leveled off and come down, but buying power has eroded. Our, our raise this last year was less than 3%. Honestly, I was surprised at how low it was, Josh. I thought it was going to push higher. Our contract is structured in a in a great way, but a weird way where we we are based off of comparables. We lost buying power because of that anchoring bias and an accelerated inflationary environment. So that's one thing wage earners are up against. The other thing they're up against is sort of Triffin dilemma. And this has been talked about on this show and in Bitcoin a lot. But in the United States, U.S. manufacturing and industry has become less profitable over the decades because of an artificially and perpetually strong U.S. dollar, USD hegemony as a result of the fiat system, this has disincentivized human capital from entering the labor force. People are flocking into healthcare, software, finance. Nobody wants to work with their hands. And so the, I guess the beauty of that at this point, and that that is in many ways pushed wages down, pushed just profits down in labor in general in the United States. So those are my two points on what labor is up against and part of the reason why 
we've decided to organize. Maybe we as firefighters isn't totally fair, but that's why a lot of industry has decided to organize to, to kind of push against these forces that have worked against them. I think the beauty right now, I'll close with this. And I sent a, a, a tweet yesterday just kind of outlining this idea I'm trying out. It was based off of another Lynn piece. It's called um, The Cost of Reshoring that she wrote like two months ago. And it's basically, it's pretty obvious we have a deficiency here in the United States of manufacturing and industry. Couple that with the fact that everybody is fucking lazy. Everybody wants to work from home, not not get their hands dirty. And so you have an environment where the demand for labor is high as the United States is trying to reshore and bolster industry and manufacturing that's way behind and getting lapped by China. And at the same time, your supply of labor is really low. I think there's a chance, dudes, that labor could do really well here in the next decade or two if these sort of trends continue. Any any thoughts on that from either one of you? If you think about like some of the mainstream... Uh, blue collar jobs that could never be offshored, like being an electrician, being a plumber, being a window installer, something like that, where you have to have your feet in the United States in order to make that work happen. Those people have made and are making a serious amount of money if they structure the way they run their business correctly. If they're not just, I mean, if they, if you start your own electrician shop, you can make massive amounts of money. You could rival doctors and lawyers fairly easily with a couple of guys working for you running your own thing, or even independently as an electrician, I think they're making well over $100 an hour union electricians are at this point. But a lot of these jobs you mentioned where they have yeah. been offshored over the last, say, 30 years since China's really come online, that's kind of a weird question mark because there hasn't been jobs here that are, you know, text, let's say textile jobs. They don't exist in the United States. They haven't for probably since the 80s or something. When you're re-onshoring them, like, how much do these, I mean, they're going to want a prevailing wage, obviously. So things are going to get a lot more expensive and labor. It'll be interesting to see how that, you know, reasserts itself back here as it, as it does uh, populate back into the United States, into the United States. Yeah. Dan, you mentioned uh, uh, something, you know, where there's some Bitcoiners that lean a certain way and that they're anti-labor. And that's, this has always fascinated me because at Bitcoin's core is this belief that the fiat system is broken, right? And that people are taken advantage of. And at the same time, to also be anti-labor, it kind of perplexes me a little bit because you're you're saying, oh, I also don't support one of the few systems that actually balances the fiat uh, system that just basically leeches off of the worker. So, you know, I think I think what happens is you do get very large unions sometimes, and we've seen them in history look back that they get a little too big and they start playing the cantillionaire's game. And in becoming the in that arena, they do fiat maxi kind of things that we've seen in the news and media. And so they confuse that. They go, hey, well, labor unions are just part of the machine. But what people don't understand is that labor unions are larger unions that consist of smaller tribes yes. and unions. We have to support those groups. We have to support them finding Bitcoin because they're very vulnerable. Dan, I agree. I think unions are going to win here and they're going to continue to win and they're well organized. But there's a time frame of winning that we need to look at like as far as checkers and chess. In the short term, 
strikes are good to keep up with inflation, even though you hope you don't have to go to the point of striking in order for your employer to say, we're going to pay you enough to where you don't take a real life pay cut. That, that concept is like, whoa, but you got to do what you got to do. Eventually, we know, and I saw in response to your tweet, that there is um, the future is approaching fast. And certain jobs are very vulnerable to things like AI, automated systems, et cetera. So they have to look very long term. And, and I'll get into it later when we talk about proof of workforce, you know, um, looking back historically at workers that became irrelevant, but they have to look long term at that. One other thing I just wanted to say, Dan and Josh, you mentioned workers not going to work and people being lazy. I do view one aspect of, of a lack of willingness to go to work as a net positive, and that's the office workers. My personal view, I'm happy as hell. We got into firefighting because we love to be outside. We love to work with our hands. We love to talk with people. For people that got out of cubicles and said, I'm not going back, I, I look at a skyscraper like mm-hmm. a giant prison or like in the Matrix where they're all linked into the system. You go there and you're working to build a company and- not all companies are like this, like pl- places like Google, they made it, they made these like fun work areas where you meet people and the productivity went up. The drones, but for people man. that got out of the yeah. office building, God bless them. I think they actually progressed. I'd like to see some of those people do work that they want to do, which is working with people out there. Some people kind of, sh- they go away from that. And once their eyes were open, like, why am I spending 30 years of my life going to an office building, sitting in a cubicle as the world passes me by? I'd like to see them, yeah, I'd like to see them find different areas of productivity and feel like Dan is saying some of those gaps where labor is needed. We need people. It's no wonder, too. Like we walk through, like we're doing a fire alarm or something at a, a commercial office space. It's just a gray sea of cubicles with the LED lights. And like it is such a sad, drab place most of the time that these people work in, I, I couldn't imagine being stuck in one of those things for eight hours a day for 30 years. And yeah. that was the, that was the pinnacle, right? Think of a skyscraper with thousands of people in cubicles, just pumping the productivity and numbers for a company so that they can report at their earnings call. Hey, we sold this much. We did this much is this much. We need this much more money and we need to expand this much and our values more here. Meanwhile, the wage earner is just getting shafted. And so you know, I, I'm happy that, that that crumbled. I think that was a huge awakening for people. We need to pivot those people into doing things they love and finding Bitcoin as a vehicle for freedom, as a vehicle for owning a piece of the future and supporting like the best money we've ever known. Totally. I, I just think my message would be, and Jimmy Song, I quoted him in the tweet I had, he was on with Preston I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And and here's the quote he had. He said, the MBA graduate from a mid-tier school that's making Excel spreadsheets that get read by two people and don't do anything, they aren't necessarily providing value. And basically his warning in this section of the podcast was that for people that have grown accustomed to and expect that they're going to be able to wear their slippers all day and stare at their computer, there are many people that will continue to be able to do that. But even in a higher rate environment, like where, where rates are right now and, and money's not sloshing around quite as much, let alone a potentially harder money future, there is going to be less fluff moving around. And I think we are going to see a shift of where 
people are rewarded for their work. And, and so you're going to have some of these, as you said earlier, basement warriors that are going to be pissed at things like seeing that UPS with their contract and benefits is making 170 K and maybe even they're going to be pissed. Yeah. Some people already are looking at firefighter salaries and, and electricians and stuff. And it's like, this is some of what the market's telling you. Like everybody wants to stay home in their slippers and, and pet their puppy and, and do yoga and shit. But there's not many people that want to get out there and get their hands dirty. And so you're going to see, you're going to see wages kind of shift. That, that's a little bit of the vision I have for, for potentially how this might shift. What Musk did at Twitter is a good example of what could happen to a lot of these companies where the fluff exists, as you just mentioned. Like he went in there with the idea that we're cutting 80%. He wanted to cut more than he needed to because he would rather add back the 20% that he didn't need or would need instead of keeping the 20%, 20% above what's actually functional. And if you would apply that across you know, a swath of companies in the S&P 500, the amount of people... Not saying that these people are useless, but the amount of people that could potentially be on the chopping block in a scenario like that is is crazy. And that's like a deflationary pressure on wages as well, because if you just yeah. simply can force the people there to work harder and shit can a bunch of the people that want to do yoga and play with their dog, you know, for two hours in the afternoon. I mean, it's a net negative for the world in a lot of ways, like you're you're basically shit canning people that, you know, are useful to some extent, maybe not as much as they could be. And yeah, companies running leaner like that, it could be a negative pressure on price wages as well, depending on how this all hashes out. It's a, it'll be an interesting thing to watch play out depending on how nasty this uh, downturn is. You know, what's funny about the UPS example, Dan, is like, and this always drives me nuts. The same with firefighters when people complain about, you know, workers doing well, you have the option to go do that job. Totally. Like, like go, yeah. go do it. And then, and then they say, well, I don't want to do that, but the costs are going to get passed to me. Uh, the the costs are going to get passed to you no matter what. UPS, you think they're not trying to figure out ways to make money off you? That's their decision. Don't punish the worker because if if they finally go, wait a minute, we're driving the trucks around in 100 degree weather to get these people's packages nonstop to them and, and, and our life is spent driving a vehicle, shipping other people's stuff. We want to make the money to keep up with the cost of living and now you want to punish us because after we succeed in that, you think our employer is going to pass that added cost to you so they can keep their top line healthy and keep people paid and keep people making millions and have high revenues. And so you're going to get mad at us for that. Like, like that, that baffles me. So those two things is like, I, I don't like, I don't entertain those much. Yeah. Um, like you said, we're hiring all the time. Come work. I'd love to have you come work with us as firefighters. We need good people. There is something magical that happens as more money is getting paid out too. people suddenly get out of their basement and they want to work. You know what I mean? Like there's a price point at which every basement yeah. dweller is going to go to work. It's just a matter of bidding it up to that price. And yeah, I obviously lots of other factors involved there, but there is a price where somebody where I'll go deliver fucking UPS packages, man, you pay me enough. I'll, I'll fucking drive a UPS truck all day. I'm sure you guys would both agree. We got to get a hold of UPS and go, hey, now that you have this extra dough, hey, take care of your families and stuff like that, but start planning for the future. And again, we know, you know, this opens up the whole other area about education on Bitcoin and learning what it is and how it can protect them. Because we know there will come a day where the UPS truck drives itself. That's, yeah. that's something that I see as inevitable. When that happens, 
what role Bitcoin will play the most sound digital money available, the best monetary protocol around. I think it will play a key part in how those automated trucks operate. Imagine 60 years later, however many years later, the UPS union goes, hey, I know you guys are going to replace our fleet with these trucks. We own Bitcoin. We mine. We run nodes. So let's let's talk. How, how, what does this look like, right? Like because you you you're going to replace us, but we own the thing that forms the foundation of what you're going to replace us with. Like that's totally. chess. That's a chess move. That's a that's a bold chess move. I was going to wrap up uh, my thoughts here on this topic by just sort of summarizing high level a lot of what we've said about the way we see the work environment currently. And one way you could put it is that I think it could be argued we've been living in the midst of the soft, one of the softest money environments in human history. And with that has come one of the softest job environments in human history. And so as either money hardens or trials come, which feels hate to use this word, but borderline inevitable with where leverage and debt loads are at. I don't know what word you want to use, but it, it seems like there's going to be unwinds of different of, of, of different varieties potentially over the next couple of decades. As things get tighter and harder and less soft, I think so will the job market. You know what I and, miss about soft money? No. Finish, Dan, sorry. I, didn't, I thought you were done. No, no, finish your thought. You're on it. Go. I, I, I miss about soft money when guys at the firehouse are refinancing and they're getting low rates. And and then you go next to them with the phone and you hear what rate they're getting. You pretend to be on the phone with someone. And let's say they're going to get like 3%. You go, yeah, hey, but yeah, okay, cool. Oh, 2.25. We'll take it. Lock it up. And the guy's like, hey, what? What? And you're like- Hey, dude, I got to go. I got to go make a phone call. Yeah. To, you know, and the, you ruined the guy's days over, right? He's like, dude, I did my, my, this lender, guy's fucking me. Could, <laughs> dude, I used to do that. Oh, I do that eight times a day. And then after I'd be like, no, I was, I wasn't even on the phone. They're like, dude, I just yelled at my lender. Like, wait, you weren't. I said, hey, you probably got a better rate though, right? Like, yeah, they came down, but like, yeah, I didn't get a 2.5. I'm not even, I'm not I even refining. Everyone's refining for sure. Like, Half of yeah. our department refied with the same dude. These guys know yeah. they come in the firehouse and they want to clean up shop. There's this uh, mortgage lender who has been dropping off water bottles, Dom, for yeah. I think over a year. He's been dropping and they're they're great. Uh, yeah. They're they're high quality, robust water bottles. Very refreshing. They're superior to what How we, we have judge water bottles the is the robustness Aldi. of the bottle. The water itself cases. is negated. The bottle is nice. So we like it. Correct. Correct. Is the. Is the plastic firm in your hand yeah. or does it give way under a man thumb? You know, yeah. this guy's dropping off cases of this stuff with his name on it because he's trying to basically box out the dude that he knows has territory at our apartment. Oh. And the other thing about mortgages, I don't know if you guys agree, number one thing firemen exaggerate about. When you bring up the topic, hey, what rate do you have? People might oh, have 3.8. They're telling you it's 3.5. It's a game oh, of who's... It's, yeah, it's basically a dick measuring contest. That That's why it was so much fun when all that craziness was going just to go like, hey, how, what'd you get? Like, they're like, mm, yeah, I got 2.5. You're like, huh? oh, that sucks. Shoot, that guy. You're like, what happened? He's like, what, you got lower? You're like, dude, I got a 175. The guy handed it to me like 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 candy. It was like, I didn't even have to... I didn't even bargain. He's like... Well, dude, you don't, I, you know, maybe I don't know. They get so upset. It's like, who cares, dude? Oh, so classic. This is a perfect time to pivot to the firehouse mm-hmm. and our peers in general. 
We've established we think Bitcoin's potentially very important. It could be instrumental in individual portfolios, on union balance sheets, certainly on pension balance sheets. We'll get more of that with proof of workforce at the end. But what are some of your guys' experiences or initial high-level thoughts on the challenges the three of us encounter or successes we encounter trying to convince firefighters and paramedics that it might be a good idea to stack this crazy internet money? Well, I think it took us probably the good a good part of two, 2017 before the numbers started really moving then it gets really easy you know what i mean and that's just typical of human nature like oh i can buy something that's going to go up in value instantly and i'm going to be i'm going to sell it and i think i can game the system it's but after that whole blow off top happened the real education begins as it does for everybody that ever buys this asset you you play this game until it gets exciting and then you make your mistakes and you fuck up and then you maybe like mm. hunkered, hunkered down and you learn some shit about it. And I would say that that what do you think, Dan, like a good 10 to 15 percent of the people at the firehouse who we've actually pitched this to are actually truly understanding it, who truly buy the stuff every day or every week or every month. It's there's a combination of yeah. trust there. There's a combination of like people that want to learn, people that are hungry to learn. And those people who want to learn and are hungry to learn, nine times out of 10, when they really start understanding, they really start digging into this thing, it becomes obvious to them. And the rest of them are just opportunists, as most of us are. Totally. Yeah. I, there's two different techniques that I try in the firehouse. One is I host, I, I talk about the Bitcoin network, um, the protocol, some early Satoshi emails, the, the, uh, um, the white paper, the fundamentals, no takers. The other is I rent a Ferrari at the local dealership, slap a Bitcoin sticker on it. And I go, <laughs> I go, boys, I got some that hit 100 people, 100% conversion rate. Right. Like, like, um, and, and, and I'm joking around. I don't actually do that, but the, but we know that it holds true that, you know, um, it's so easy to get lured into the price side of it, the gambler's mindset. I'm just looking to turn something. I'm looking to turn my ten thousand into a new boat, or I'm looking to, you know, take a big chunk out of my my uh, mortgage payment and pay off my house. And and um, it's it's tough. And and finding people at there's all kinds of types at the firehouse. There's you know we have the the degen gamblers, we have the super conservative monetary folks who won't, you know, they're they'll buy a pencil if it's ten cents off, and they won't take any risk, and they do things by the book. We have the person that's just a cog in the wheel; they question nothing, all the way to the conspiracy theorist who's like, "Ooh, that's where I was going to ask you. I was like, how many conspiracy theorists you got there? How deep are they? You sh you should have seen the time that the FBI came to do a ride along. I mean." Like there's three shifts and one shift. Um, there's always a shift that has the most conspiracy theorists. The FBI came and said, yeah, we're, we're doing this tactical medicine thing. We're going to set up shop and we're just going to do a ride along. And they set up this like workstation and you couple conspiracy theorists like, what's, what's going on here? The FBI, they're riding along. Like, <laughs> whoa. They're, they're, they're like, whoa, I'm like, chill, dude. They're just doing a paramedic thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, yeah. They're they're doing a paramedic ride-along, and it looks like an operation center's in the break room. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, it's, there's, it's, it's dangerous letting people inside the firehouse because then people really start to unpack just how good this job is. 
Like yeah. we can pretend like we're doing productive shit in there. The reality is we're sitting on our ass on the recliner. <laughs> Josh and I are often editing a podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, you get someone inside the temple and it's kind of scary. You got to you got to kind of handle them with uh, with gloves. That's for sure. Yeah, we we have some conspiracy. The conspiracy theorists are actually like um they're easy, right? Because they they there are certain things of Bitcoin that challenge the system that lend themselves to a conspiracy theorist. You know, one of some of the folks that are think everyone's out to get them, their biggest thing that I found to orange pill them is the fact that with a node you can enable enable your own payment network. That you can make payments if the mm. system fails and the banks go down and they go, Wait, really? I can I can use a node to pay my friend for something and I don't have to use the but yeah. Hey, big bad conspiracy theorist, you're on Venmo and you're out here thinking that the system's out to get you. So what what if that goes down? So maybe there's something there. Maybe for the super conservative something uh, person, it's a you focus on the asset side of Bitcoin and and just talk about how it can be a good savings mechanism over a long time for small small little steps in. It's just yeah. it's just finding that thing. There's a wide variety, <laughs> even though we're all a bunch of blockheads. No Bitcoin pun intended, but like. Um, you know, there's different there's different avenues that open up. As an aside, before we move off of this conspiracy theory thought, what is the latest conspiracy theory you've heard propagate at your firehouse? Anything that really piqued you or you heard recently that you thought was hilariously off? Oh, well, you know what's funny? Not from inside the firehouse, but from outside. What's amazing is when you watch a conspiracy theory on a topic you know about, and I'm sure you guys saw this too, the Maui fire conspiracies, I was laughing my ass off, not at yeah. the situation because it's a very dire situation, but at the conspiracies. Someone posted this list of things on why the Maui fire was started yeah. by like a Dr. laser Evil. in the sky. Yeah, we do have we a got guy. a guy like that, that thinks this, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, that it's a firefighter, that's a little bit scary, but <laughs> anyway, He's a firefighter. Yep. He, he, I've so heard this specific one tossed yeah. out around the kitchen the, table. The suspicious things, though, were like, the fire marshal was not in town that night. And I'm like laughing my ass off because we know the way fire marshals and prevention works. No one really lives in town. I'm sure not many of them live maybe in the actual area in Maui or wherever. Um, and then, and then you're like the burn pattern formed a ring or like this fire jumped from here to there and it was 200 yards away. And how can a fire spread like that? You're like yeah. study fire dynamics, just learn the way fire spreads when you have 120 mile an hour uh gale force winds and and so that's been something that i saw that was just fascinating other than that it's the normal rogan stuff dude your seed oils are gonna kill you they're controlling the weather i tell them hey you know the greeks yeah the greeks they they the olive oil right they didn't do bad for themselves they did well it's different you know the 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 (laughs) olives are different now okay all right all right all right um yeah, dude, all kind of that one. The meats, the meats. There's a lot of conspiracy theories with meats, and I know they pump them full of water and all that stuff, but it's like, you know, um, that's a normal one. I'm trying to think what else, but those are some of the hot ones. Yeah, they run rampant they in the environment we traipsed around. Yeah. I was going to uh, add one thought about, cautiously add one thought, I should say, about getting to a firefighter. I agree that going straight high level and deep with anyone new is not a great idea off the bat. And you need to tailor any introduction to whatever someone's dispositions are and whatever their background is. 
One thing, though, that I one hook that I think catches virtually any fish. It's a dangerous hook. It feels a little flimsy at points, but it is a little bit of the get rich hook. And I, I here's here's the math on how I think this through. The way I see Bitcoin, and I would start with this person by saying nothing's a guarantee, but it does appear that Bitcoin is moving in one of two directions. Its outcome is going to be somewhat binary. Either it is probably going to quote unquote fail and you know taper off, or it's going to be worth a lot more than it is today. Now that takes some time to unpack and whatever, but I, I really do think that that dynamic is probable that it's going to go one of those two directions. I obviously, and we obviously lean towards thinking it's got a lot of characteristics, its supply and, and the demand that's coming towards it in today's environment is, is going to cause the price to go up. So one message I would impart to a firefighter, a wage earner, or someone with a with kind of capped earning capacity is that I, I do think that the tremendous life-changing, potentially generational wealth building opportunity may soon escape those of a certain income stream. Here's some math I wrote down. Let, let's talk about the cash flow of someone in the in the middle, upper middle class. Let's say they make $90,000 a year. Let's say this this you know plumber or whatever is really disciplined at saving. They save 30% of their after-tax income. Let's call that $20,000. Let's say they have really strong Bitcoin conviction and half of those savings, which is an enormous percentage, half of their savings is allocated to Bitcoin. That's $10,000 a year. In my view, the reality is that the sun might soon set on $10,000 worth of Bitcoin a year being truly life-altering. And that's really far out on the spectrum of what most people in our line of work could afford per year, let's say. Not that it will be a bad purchase. I'm just saying we are, I think, potentially in a small band of time when a realistic amount of allocation, even a few thousand dollars a year, could be a really, really big deal for people in our income stream. And I I have found that that with someone that you trust, as long as you've communicated the risks and you avoid guarantees at least gets the eyebrows up and at least plants a seed that can potentially grow when the price starts moving again. That's how I see orange pilling with a lot of my family and friends is like the seed was planted initially. You know, I had less conviction back then, but back in 2017, 2018, I continue to plant the seed here in the you know early 2020s. And if this thing does rip again and the thesis plays out, our phones are going to continue yeah. to blow up more and more as more people are interested and have enough equipment to maybe make that choice the next time. It is important as you make those kinds of points that you don't come across as sure, a hundred percent sure that this is going to be it because anybody yes. who's intelligent is going to say anyone who's a hundred percent sure of something is kind of an idiot. You can never be 100% sure in anything in life. The most sure thing, you know, the sun's going to rise tomorrow, right? Yeah. There is going to be a time when that isn't going to be true, even though the chances of that being tomorrow are infinitesimally small. We, you just can't be sure and you can't impart that. Even if you think you are 100% sure, maybe you should go back and check your own assumptions because maybe you shouldn't be 100% sure, but you especially shouldn't be telling people that because that is going to give them that murky feeling of this is a salesman who's just selling his book and doesn't necessarily know what the fuck he's talking about you should be totally forthright with the fact that 
you think the highly the likelihood is very high, but it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, with 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 that uh, concept of letting people know that we're on on you know the verge of not being able to capture the early uh, entry levels that we could right now, we kind of go back to what we started this conversation with, right? With with our our buddy Thomas Jefferson about owning uh, productive property. You know, now if you continue, if you can't grasp this concept that you're not winning by having a million dollars cash in your bank, we're we're raised to think that that's winning. I have a million bucks of cash. I'm rich. No, 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 no. You're like temporarily rich until you know that gets spent or reallocated. If you can get into the early mindset of Bitcoin with this concept that I will own productive property and I will not trade productive property for non-productive property, which is the dollar. It's counterproductive. It's, it goes down in value naturally since it was invented. You're you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right no matter what. Even if, like Josh mentions, that, that hey, I thought we were going to go up, but we had some down periods. It doesn't matter. It's still productive property and I have it. And you know, I would tell someone the same thing with real estate too, right? You know, you you heard when 08, 09, I'm sure you guys were in the firehouse. Everyone was like, scoop up these houses and flip. And house flippers have the potential to get burned. And people that hold property as part of a portfolio as productive property, they continue, continue, continue to be okay until you get to the point where you're not a wage earner anymore. You don't have to depend on the wages. So, so it's hard. It's interesting that you guys bring this up because within our own circle, we have some people that are committed to being wage earners for life because they don't either grasp or they don't want to have the headache of owning something that produces an income for them. It's always going to be tough, even with Bitcoin for them, because they're constantly looking at how do I put amount of dollars in and take an amount of dollars out? And that is always, even though we can say, with pretty solid confidence that in 10 years, Bitcoin will be worth more than it is today. I feel confident on that. I cannot say with certainty, but I can say with certainty that um, Bitcoin will be a productive asset, a productive property. And I do not foresee that changing um, even in 10 years and it'll continue to be so. So it's interesting things that kind of come up and how how we have to get to that deeper layer of some of the tradition financial education that never occurred for many of us. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up a real estate and I was thinking yeah. of a, an analogy that kind of makes sense to compare the Bitcoin world to real estate. So if you're somebody, Dom, you're in Santa Monica, if you own some nice property in Santa Monica, it's going to retain its value. I would almost put that in the real estate world like that's Bitcoin. And then you're you're trying to flip Right. You're trying to flip yeah, properties, you're, right? You're like that's walk. trading Bitcoin. Like, yeah, it could be really profitable, but if the shit goes sideways on you, you're fucked. And the whole the whole thing of where you're you're financing with other fucking property, the whole thing blows up on you. And then if you're buying stuff in ghettos and trying to be a fucking slumlord, like that's shit coining all day long. Like shit is gonna blow up in your face. So don't shit coin, don't slumlord. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um it's it's a nasty game. And so, you know, getting that mindset, what I would say to the, the another aspect of this that I think is really important for orange pilling firefighters to kind of bring some of this together is we are very much 
for the same reason that some Bitcoiners kind of question the unions that are in the fiat system, we have a one one or two feet heavily entrenched in the fiat system. We rely on um, wages from cities, municipalities who are very much invested in traditional legacy finance, who rely on banks, money makers, Wall Street, et cetera. To the conservative saver, I found, hey, do you own anything outside of that fiat system? Do you own, like, what is it? Mm, Yeah. Do you own something out that, well, they might say, well, I have gold. No, 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 no. Gold is not outside of the fiat system. It's also very much entrenched within it. You can look into gold and even gold, gold bugs will tell you that there is some insulation, but it's very much entrenched. What do you own outside of that system? Because we've been burned by the system and this kind of ties into pensions. 0708 financial crisis the pensions got murdered and they're still recovering to this day. So the same system that burned you and touching the iron, you now have no that. investment outside of that system whatsoever. But you're but you're like, yo, we're a hundred percent good. We're good. My pension's gonna be there. Everything's gonna be there. It's gonna be there guaranteed by the same people that put your pension in a hole trying to climb its way out. What do you own outside of that system? And the best thing outside of that system is Bitcoin. It's not even debatable. There's nothing else I can think of outside of that system that um, it's so strong that people in the system are now trying to create gateways and portals for the system to get in it. And that's your spot ETFs. So that's something that I use to get some of the conservative folks to go, all right, don't right, you're not going to retire early. You don't want to do that and take big risks. I understand that it's new and it's risky, but own something outside of the system for sure. Well said. Josh and I have bounced around the idea for a long time. We were talking portfolios on the box t- two days ago, Josh, basically saying we check in on each other. We don't change much, but we just like revisit the conversation. What's your holistic overview of how you're allocated? And we have long said since we've been in Bitcoin that we think this thing is great for everyone. But to to get into the hedge idea of Bitcoin as a hedge, it's perfect for a firefighter, right? You've You've got a very stable job that's dependent on a lot of fiat government dynamics, not gonna lie. You've got a pension that's dependent on a lot of fiat government dynamics. You probably, hopefully have a 457 or Roth IRA where you've got hopefully equity, not a bunch of fixed income in retirement accounts. As you just said so wonderfully, you are all of that is under the same bubble. And that's fine. You should have a good amount of money, in my opinion, under that bubble because that is the current system. That is the current ocean. But there's this other pristine pond on the side, totally different ecosystem that you should hedge into yeah. at least in small quantities, in my view, start at 1% or whatever, but it's just, it's a marvelous play that could work in a different direction or solve the problems of where most firefighters and most people are primarily allocated. Yeah. And I think if you are, if you're in the, the opposite camp from what Dan is describing, let's say you're a, you're a Bitcoin maximalist who is extremely heavily invested in Bitcoin. You should hedge yourself in other ways. We're, we are, the three of us are fortunate enough where we have a pension system. So the way I view this for myself, and I know Dan, you agree, if I'm heavily invested in Bitcoin and I am completely wrong, that means my pension is very likely going to be okay. So I am hedged in a way that if Bitcoin just completely fails, I'm not going to be eating cat food. And 
so anyone listening to this, if you're not a firefighter with a pension, make sure you're putting yourself in a position where if this thing completely fails, we are three clowns sitting on a stage talking about something that is <laughs> that turns out to be totally wrong, which I don't believe to be the case. But I am not so sure of myself that to not think that I could be a fucking clown. Make sure you're covering your ass because I don't want people to be listening to this <laughs> 10 years, like hunting me down like you motherfucker. I lost everything. <laughs> you three dumb motherfuckers. I lost everything. Yeah. We don't want to see that happen. We want to make sure no one's eating cat food. We hate going to calls where grandma's eating cat food. All right. Don't, don't do it. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, the guy who yeah. made you put a bullet in your head. Hey, should we put red noses on? Uh, at Pacific, just come up, just three red noses. I, I'm going to get a T-shirt that says, "I am not so sure of myself to not <laughs> consider myself a clown," Love and it's it. going to be me with the with the red nose, <laughs> like like holding up two bitcoins. That would be a banger, Josh. You got to get that, dude. See now, dude, Dom. That's how we hedge ourselves here. What I just did is insert a nice hedge at the end of this episode where yeah. we're totally wrong, but we told you we could have been wrong. I mean, it wasn't our fault. I think though, to serious to your point, anytime you're pioneering, anytime you're you're venturing on a new technology, something that is being built in real time, whether that's a building, a protocol, whatever, it, it is it doesn't make logical sense to um to put yourself at a position where the success or failure of that thing exactly. will define whether you're okay or not. I mean that that goes for anything any new thing, right? Yeah. It, it just it just doesn't make sense. And so folks have to keep that in mind. I always tell them I've actually talked to a lot of people on the last um when we were at like 40 or 50k, 40 44, um there was still a lot of interest even coming off of the high, and I talked to a lot of people out of taking huge huge swings and I yes. told them, "Hey, why would you put yourself, um, if you can afford those big swings, by all means, that's fine. If you're looking at it like this is disposable cash and I'm going to take this huge swing, I understand. But but how could you you know, put yourself in a situation where you're going to lose something you worked really hard for without knowing more about what that thing is? Slow down, get in, learn some, get in, learn some. And those people came back to me even after FTX and I was expecting them to say, hey, dude, what the fuck, man? Like, thanks for the tip. No, no, no. They came back and they're like, Hey, this is great. Um, I'm, I'm getting a better entry point at this. I kind of did what you recommended. And now I'm actually grateful for it because I learned and I have an understanding and I'm not worried. I'm not scared. Yeah, I'm not panicked. I'm prepared. And yep. that's, that's like, that's what you want. That's what you got to try to get. And so I find myself always talking people out of taking uh, massive swings, including on the proof of workforce level, right? And in, in talking with unions that sometimes want to take these massive swings, same message for them. Let's talk proof of workforce. What is this? We're pumped about it. You've been kind enough to have us uh, sit on the board and pretended to, to help you. You've done all of the heavy lifting. Uh, what, what, what are you up to? What's the vision? Mike's yours. Yeah. So thank you guys. Um, this is very cool. Uh, this is, you guys know that my, I had a long union career and Josh and I did union stuff too. 10 years on the union, have been in Bitcoin since 2017. I get off like a lost puppy that used to do 40 to 60 hours for the union. What am I going to do? The wife's making fun of me, says I'm like a penguin with a briefcase, <laughs> always running around like, yeah, you know, looking for stuff to do. These two worlds collide. 
some crazy stuff happens with some rescues, last Pacific Bitcoin, which, you know, we all know that story. I find myself on the mission to bring Bitcoin to workers and unions. And as I learn more about Bitcoin, I realize for many of the reasons we talked about, workers need to find Bitcoin for many, many reasons. So Proof of Workforce is a nonprofit. It's the, it's the pinnacle of that effort now as a formal organization, a 501c4. And its mission is very simple, to bring long-term Bitcoin adoption and sustainable education, education-based adoption to workers, unions, and organizations. Hard stop. That's it. Using the tools we've had, the lessons we've had to get workers to kind of get, to learn about this and if they want to invest, to do it responsibly and slowly, because we know that even with all the cool stuff with the spot ETF and we're on this verge of institutional asset adoption, we know there will be another high and there will be another dip. Mm-hmm. And only by understanding Bitcoin and what it means for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, for understanding what it means to have productive property... Only by doing that can you weather that storm. Otherwise, you're just a, a guy or a gal with a scratcher yep. ticket hoping to get lucky. So our our goal at Proof of Workforce is to introduce the worker to Bitcoin and not have it be something that you get lucky or not, something that you learn and understand and, and can look back in 10 to 20 years and go, oh, I, Proof of Workforce helped me see this thing and learn about it before it arrived. And for that, I'm, 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 I'm happy. And, and it's all no cost. It's free, hundred percent free. So, Dom, here's what's badass about what you're doing, and it ties together a fair amount of what we've spoken about so far. We've established Bitcoin's not inevitable, but man, does it feel like it's marching one direction, and it has access and design that allow, as we said off the top, wage earners, average folks, to, to stack this thing in its most pristine form early when it could really change their net worth and their future, and their family's future in a dramatic way. And you're asking the question, as you're standing this up, if Bitcoin is on this march forward, who's going to benefit from this thing going up? We don't want the answer to only be the well-connected, powerful, and wealthy. No knock on those folks, not against them. I, I hope institutions and hedge funds and 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 all, they do great. And, and a lot of that's tied to our pensions. So there, there are incentives that are... But your vision is to to start incepting this Bitcoin idea to plant the seeds so the trees can grow so that more and more average folks can benefit from a technology that has the potential to be remarkable. And that is just, and this is what you're up to, that is just a ground game. That is just a ground game. You need soldiers to get out there and and get this snowball rolling. It's not going to happen on its own. And And what you mentioned about basically telling people not to overrisk it as well. Like sell this to people because I think it's paramount that they do know, but also do it with some moderation. And you don't want to be, as I know you do and will, you're not telling anyone to go hundred percent in Bitcoin with their treasury. This is just an educational, this is an introduction. This is get yourself that 1%, get yourself educated and then move with forethought and foresight and, and move those chess pieces in a way that's going to protect you, not over, you know, not put you in a position of weakness. Yeah, you you got to learn how Bitcoin's going to serve your mission. Otherwise, it's just a you're you're still in the lottery game. I mean, you guys mentioned 
when have we seen, I mean, right now, BlackRock, Fidelity, they are are chomping at the bit to get the SEC to approve an ETF so they can bring massive institutions access to this asset. And right now, you can log onto an app and buy it right now. When has that happened? I, I don't know. I don't have a huge financial ask. We'll have to ask Lynn Alden. Maybe it happened with gold or something, even though there was barriers to that. When has that happened where a worker that's working UPS or, or dropping off the mail or or working in a factory can literally log on and get something that Larry Fink is yelling at Gensler right now, you better approve this thing ASAP before the next halving or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go nuts in this place. When has that happened? I don't know. So yeah, it's a ground game and just trying to get people to kind of see that. Not, I don't think that we have to rush to get people to dive in beyond their means because even if they win, that ends up in failure because let's just say it goes to a hundred thousand and and you know, I'm just I'm just using an arbitrary number here, the spot ETF. We know that there's gonna be some that happens that brings it back to Earth. And the only way to survive coming back to Earth is if you understand the fundamentals of the protocol and you have a mission to where it serves you for the long run. So even if a union, let's say we're working with, misses out on the ETF and they go, I missed it, Dom. It hit a hundred thousand. Guess what? It's not too late to mm. learn about it, take slow steps into it. There'll be more price fluctuations, but you're still thinking short term because we're looking 10, 20, 30 years out when you know, you're driving the UPS truck and they, they come knocking on your door going, hey man, thanks for everything. I know you just got hired here, but like, dude, we just got the automated trucks and like we're laying off some folks. And you go, well, now what? I'll get another job. But, but it'd be nice if you were stacking something that's going to be a foundational part of the future and you have ownership in that, right? We're back yep. to freedom and independence. Mm. Yeah. And we, we've used the, the firefighting analogy before of force and doors. Basically, mm-hmm. what you're doing right now with your union, you've gone other places. You went up to Sacramento, right? At least kind of pitch some stuff. Sacramento yeah. is where you went, correct? I went to D.C., um, with the Bitcoin Today Coalition before I started my nonprofit. I've done some stuff in Sacramento. I'm going with some legislators to El Salvador. I'm like, I'm like crap. I'm everywhere. You know what I mean? That's what I try to do for the nonprofit. <laughs> yep. Especially on ambulance calls. But you're like, yeah. the, you're like the, 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 we had a thread a while ago. We were going back and forth on of basically you're like the wedge or the ads in the door. You're getting that leverage right now. Even with your union, I'm sure not everybody's super stoked about it, but you got that small allocation. And when that number starts to go up and this thing starts to move out, that is going, you're, you're Johnny Appleseed dropping seeds. Trees are going to start to grow. Guys are going to get more interested as this thing proves itself over time. That That's like one of the beauties of finance in general, but Bitcoin most specifically, it's going to mm-hmm. expose who's right and who's wrong. And when you're telling someone to take a proper sized allocation, it's not doomsday if the thing doesn't play out. But you're going to, if we just take your union as, as an example, they're going to get more exposure to how this thing progresses because there's at least a, even a small amount of skin in the game for, for guys within their union that know nothing about Bitcoin. And I think that that approach you're taking of even if, even if a union doesn't take a position, the fact that you go to a meeting and talk to a bunch of firefighters about this, if this thing's pumping past 100K in 2027, they're going to be like, remember that asshole from down in Santa Monica? 
kind of had a disgusting chick stash. <laughs> thought he was cool. That dude is they're going to start calling you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's part of the game here. You're going to get to enjoy that window of everyone thinks you're a genius until it falls off the other end again. It's a really yeah. enjoyable short period of time. Well, then we'll be able to start getting education. You know, we we haven't even talked about on here. We we focus a lot on the asset, but there's a whole nother um, world that is opened um, by getting involved in Bitcoin that's not even on the asset side, right? And that's the network, the protocol, well, how it the the payment rails and the community. And there's also a tremendous amount of value that where even if there's unions that didn't want to, oh, we we didn't get involved and didn't buy in. But we did things like got involved in the community. We ran a node. We started educating ourselves. And now we have these amazing people. You know, I believe the people part of Bitcoin is one of its strongest assets as well. Mm -hmm. And that is a non-dollar item that you get when you buy into this uh, protocol. Uh, And I'm also trying to educate unions on that because there's all kinds of different things we have to deal with and challenges. And that's an incredible bomb proof community to have on your side. I mean, imagine some of the people we know that that we talk to and you guys have on your show all the time if you're in it and you needed their help for other things. Like these totally. are very talented, incredibly smart people. And so there's value to that that mm-hmm. that um is very clear. Dom, how can people help and support and get behind proof of workforce? So the biggest challenge with any nonprofit as you guys know is fundraising. Um, I, I, I basically stood up this nonprofit. It's always hard to ask people for their hard earned money because you're like, oh, we're trying to help people find Bitcoin by taking your money that you, you know, work your, your ass off to get. So I haven't started fundraising, but awareness, I want to show proof of concept, which we've done already. We've already, you know, talking to multiple unions, the chamber of commerce and SM started a Bitcoin only, uh, committee. They're looking at building Bitcoin within the business community. Huge. Um, but making awareness, getting involved, getting on the social media, um, supporting us, and and finding what I would say like bigger players in the Bitcoin space to support us with contributions. You know, some of your big businesses, we need their support. I understand plebs not wanting to part with their sats, and I would never ask that. But for people that are on the forefront of Bitcoin adoption, I believe our mission is pivotal to kind of getting Bitcoin out to what I consider to be the backbone of the country and the planet, which is workers. So just getting us to to make that uh, mission known, find support, give us leads, bring, use our services. I mean, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to any place on the planet. I'm not even joking. Like if, if you want to bring Bitcoin to your workplace or your union, I'll go to anywhere, dude. I'll go to India. I'll go to Africa. I'll go to Australia. I'll go to Antarctica, dude. If there's a union in Antarctica, I'll go freeze my ass off up there. <laughs> You'll but get I'll swaps, talk- dude. You got dude. Yeah, Antarctica I'll- Bitcoin swaps at the fire. Yeah. But, but we need support. The number one way you can do it is supporting us, helping us get people on the mission and helping us kind of talk to unions, pensions, workers, other organizations. That's, that's it. You know, it's a, I want this to be something that everyone kind of owns. That's why it's a nonprofit. It's not like my company. It's our thing to bring Bitcoin to the workers. Yeah. It's badass. And this goes without saying, we've said this on and off the mic, but it's a, it's a, a pleasure and a privilege to have another firefighter Absolutely. rowing in the same direction in the same boat, man. 
I'm saving. Hey, I, we we. This is a teaser for the folks out there because there's some nuggets, including I have the ultimate reason. You know, we always ask why firefighters are into Bitcoin. Like, and like, why are. do firefighters? Why do firefighters gravitate? I have the 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 like. I have some philosophical, just nasty <laughs> curveball junk, dude. For our talk yeah. on Friday, that has never been debuted. But I think you guys will listen to it and go, damn, dude. This Dialed. guy finally came up with an actual uh, um, thought of value Back at for it again, once. Man. Zingers. Zingers are Tom, coming. Thanks for joining us, man. Um, hopefully see we see you. some of you out in, uh, out in LA. I have the coffee shits coming right now. I got a pee like That's a rhinoceros. Um I think this is going to be loose too. Mm. I think this might be kind of coffee diarrhea. Thank you. Uh, so Thank we you need to sure. we need to wrap this thing up, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dom, we appreciate you, man. We will see you in uh, there, man. two days, my friend. I'll make sure I have I'll make sure Joe Carlosari's yeah. on He's speed dial for us. Out. Yep. Sweeping up after us. See you, Dom. See you, dude. Can't wait, dude. As always, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed slinging it. Please leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And if you haven't tried Fountain yet, you definitely should. You can get paid sats to listen. Try it out. Until next time, thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.